Good morning. Let's start with prayer. Lord Jesus, we're going to go to an Old Testament story that we don't really know that well, but we know that you gave it to us for our encouragement. So help us to connect our lives with your life and the life of this Old Testament family of people so that we would go from here singing this song that we just sang from our hearts and meaning it, that we know you watch over us. Amen. Life in the middle can be tough. I'm talking about two, two middles. The first one is the between Adam and Eve being put into a perfect world and heaven. Because in the middle, they fell into sin and all of us are in a heap of trouble. Let me just show you what I mean. It, either right now or in the last week, have you had some problem somehow that you've been pondering over and over again, trying to figure out how to resolve it? Come on, put your hand up if that's true for you, okay? So we're all in trouble, see? And it can be a struggle. We're, it's also a struggle from the moment you are born to the moment that you pass. So I picked these pictures. On the left is the day that our first grandson was born. That's my oldest son and his, his boy. I don't know if you can see it on the slide, but that baby is screaming his lungs out. And I thought it was so cute. I took a flash of picture and uh, kept it. Uh, that's really what it's like. And uh, at the end, our last breath is a gasp to try to hang on to this thing called life. And in between, we have a whole lot of drama, right? So I put that stick figure in the middle. And we're all living in that middle. And so truth be told, when we come to church, we're coming looking for God to help us people who are in many ways pitiful and struggling. Some Sundays, it's, it's more uh, it, it's, it's more obvious to us than it is other Sundays. So wherever you are, it doesn't really matter. You're gonna need this. I chose a story from the Old Testament that is about a man named Joash. I'm gonna throw a couple other names at you, but uh, that's the main one you wanna remember because he's the main character in the story. So what's his name? Joash, Joash. In the Old Testament, there are 17 books that tell the stories from creation to the 400 BC. They're all packed together in the first 17 books of the Bible. There are four books, 1st and 2nd Kings and 1st and 2nd Chronicles that actually talk about the same period. The period between David and Saul and the end of the Old Testament era that ended 400 years before Christ. It's called the period of the kings. Uh, David, Saul, David, and Solomon got to rule all of God's people by themselves. But after Solomon, the kingdom got split. And the southern kingdom started to be called Judah. And that's why we get the name Jews. And they had Jerusalem, where the temple was that God had told, told Solomon how to build, where God would dwell and his ministry of the word of God would happen. This uh, story that we're going to look at today is right around the turn of the 800s to the 700s B.C., it's a long time ago, 2,800, 20 years ago, right? Long time ago. Uh, this man, that, that his story, they don't all start this way in this book. It starts with him as an, a, a one-year-old boy. Uh, the period of the kings was crazy. Uh, when you hear about uh, 
on the news, the shootings and the other crimes that are happening, you're thinking, we live in the craziest of times. Well, you ought to read through Kings. It's as bad as the book of Judges. It's as bad as the times that we live right now. It, it, every king, once you got king, it was like a death sentence for a long time. And, it, and some kings only served for a few weeks, some for one or two years, some for eight years. And often they were killed by the people that worked for them or their own family. And there was a king in Judah named Ahaziah. You don't have to remember that, but just listen to me. Ahaziah was killed after just a few years, 20, I think it's 22 years actually, he got to reign, but he was killed in a, by his own servants. And uh, he, but it was after he had been wounded by an enemy. Ahaziah had lots of sons. Kings would do that with their, their wives and their concubines, partly for political reasons, they have a lot of sons because there needed to be a, an heir to the throne. This is where it gets really sorted. Ahaziah had a mother named Athaliah who was as bad as Jezebel, and most of you have heard the name Jezebel. I mean, who names their kid Jezebel because of what we know about Jezebel? Idolatry, immorality, paganism brought into Israel through Jezebel of the Phoenicians. Well, Athaliah, this woman, Ahaziah's mother, was like a Jezebel, and she wanted to rule. She wanted to be queen. She wasn't supposed to be queen, but she had some power. She was the king's mother. So as soon as he was killed, she started killing all of his sons. We don't know how many there were, but it, 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 the Bible seems to say there were quite a few. It was genocide, so she could rule. And Joash, was one of the sons. Remember, that's the main name. Joash was one of the sons of Ahaziah, but he got preserved by his aunt, who was probably not that wicked queen's daughter, but a daughter from another woman. Jehoshaphat Jeho was her name. She saved Joash as a one-year-old. She stole him away, it says in the Bible. We're gonna read that part in the reading we have. And she protected him. And what I'm gonna to read to you now is the story of how he was protected and then he finally became king. And how his wicked mother, grandmother ends up being killed and deposed and killed all in the same day. And we're gonna draw encouragement, not from the killings, we're drawing encouragement from how God guides even in the craziest troubled times in anybody's life, God guides his hidden plan for us and we're gonna say God wins the war. You've heard a saying before, you might lose some battles, but you won't lose the war, or it's better you know, to think that way, that we're winning the war, even though we lose some battles. That's what I mean by God wins the war. God is in this huge war with the devil, and it's gonna end at the end of time, but we are right now, in our little lives, whatever your life is like, right now we're the ones living, we're in just a little life with, that has some battles. But to us, it feels like the war because it's all about our individual life, but really our lives are just battles. And as we watch how God deals with this situation and his own people with his own king being threatened, we're gonna, we're gonna draw comfort and encouragement and insight for our own lives. It's, it's kind of a long reading. Uh, rest assured, I'm not gonna try to preach to you insights from every paragraph. 
okay? I'm gonna, but I, I wanna read through the reading for you and you follow along and then I'll come back through the story and make those two big points, stay on God's team and trust his hidden plan, okay? And, and show you just a few things. So let's go through this story. You just follow along. You can look on the blue sheet. It's all printed out for you. You can find it in the Pew Bible. You can also just watch it on the screen. Remember, Athaliah is the evil queen. Ahaziah is the dead king, which was her son. And I'll help you along the way. So when Athaliah, the mother of King Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she proceeded to destroy the whole royal family. But Jehosheba, the daughter of King Jehoram, Jehoram was a, a king from earlier times, okay? And he was also the father of, of Ahaziah that just died. So when Jehosheba, the daughter of King Jehoram, and sister to Ahaziah, took Joash, son of Ahaziah, and stole him away from among the royal princes, I mean, they're all being raised together, all these little boys, who were about to be murdered. She put him and his nurse, and that, that's not like a nurse in a hospital, this is somebody taking care of them and letting them breastfeed from them. Sometimes the nurse was actually the mother, but not always. His nurse, she put him in a bedroom to hide him from Athaliah, the wicked queen, so he was not killed. He remained hidden with his nurse at the temple of the Lord. The temple had rooms, like housing in, built into it in the outer courts. She hid him in the temple of the Lord for how long? Six years, and he was about a year old when he was, this started, while Athaliah ruled the land. So she actually was a queen, although she was illegitimate as a queen. And for six years, that treacherous woman, God let her rule. And think of how disappointed and depressed and scared everybody was. And think about what it did to their faith. The people of God that are under a theocracy, Okay, America's not under a theocracy. We're a secularized nation. But they're a theocracy. It's all part of their faith. And it's ruled by a tyrant like this. In the seventh year, that's the seventh year after those six years of hiding, Jehoiada sent for commanders of units of a hundred, the, the Karaites and the guards who had them brought to him at the temple of the Lord. Real quickly, Sometimes the writer doesn't introduce somebody, he just says his name. Jehoiada was the high priest. So remember, Joash is hidden in the temple. Jehoshaphat, his aunt, is watching over this. He has, this little boy has a nurse, but Jehoiada is the high priest. So this little boy is growing up under his feet. And everybody knows this man is heir to the throne according to divine decree that descendant of David should always be on the throne. Okay, that Athaliah lady is no descendant of David, <laughs> right? So here we go. He got guards and he put them together in the temple of the Lord. He made a covenant with them, an official contract, and he put them under oath at the temple of the Lord. Then he showed them the king's son. You know, they've been hiding this kid. Nobody really knows about it. Once you let it out, there's a lot of people going to know about it, and then it's going to get really messy fast, right? So he says, here's the king's son. He commanded them saying, this is what you are to do. You who are in the three, you, you who are in the three companies that are going to do, do duty on the Sabbath. A third of you guarding the royal palace. The palace was very close to the temple. A third of you at the sure gate, which was an entrance place to these areas. And a third at the gate behind the guard, the back door who take turns guarding the temple. So the big places where people would enter 
you're gonna guard them, hundreds of men. And you who are in the other two companies that normally go off duty on the Sabbath are all to guard the temple of the Lord for the king. Station yourselves around the king, each of you with a weapon in hand. Anyone who approaches your ranks is to be put to death. Stay close to the king wherever he goes. So this, this high priest knows we're about to reveal him. There's gonna be bloodshed because he knows what that queen is like. The commanders of the units of a hundred did just as Jehoiada the high priest ordered. Each one took his men. Those who were going on duty on the Sabbath and those who were going off duty, they came to Jehoiada, the Jehoiada the priest. They got their orders. They had a new day. They were on duty all the time, even if they were off duty from the normal schedule. They were working overtime. That's what the writer's saying. Then he gave the commanders the spears and the shields that had belonged to King David and that were in the temple of the Lord. These are almost sacred to the Jews at that time. David had lived 1050 BC. I told you this was 800 to moving to the 700s. So we're talking about almost a 300 year the, uh, relic. And these, these shields were really uh, things that they, they honored and trophied, but they're coming out of those storerooms, right? And they're actually being used. It'd be like going to the Vatican and getting some spears and shields from one of the displays and going out and guarding the Vatican. They, that's what they did. They, they gave them the, the things of David. But also you can kind of sense the writer saying, this is David's son taking back the throne, right? And so you can kind of see the, what he's trying to show you, that God, God is behind this, to give the throne back to a son of David. The guards, each with a weapon in hand, stationed themselves around the king. Now these guards are actually priests. They're the pastor types, right? Near the altar and the temple, and the south side to the north side of the temple. All he's doing right there is just saying, this is the, what we described earlier by the sure gate or the palace gate or the back door. Now he's just saying they did it and they, they had the whole temple guarded. The high priest Jehoiada brought out the king's son and he put the crown on him and he presented him with a copy of the covenant. Whoa, what is that? It's not the covenant of agreement he just had with those priests to fight. That's a little contract. He gave him a copy of the covenant. The high priest did. Anybody, this, you can interact. We'll give you an A plus for today. Matt. Yes, the written law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy were called the covenant because they had the covenant of God in them with Israel as his chosen people. The covenant of Abraham and the covenant of Moses, but they're called the covenant. Moses, in the last book, in his going away sermons in Deuteronomy said, someday you're gonna have a king. They didn't have any king for hundreds and hundreds of years after Moses. But he said, someday you're gonna have a king. And when you do, he's supposed to have his own copy. Remember, the, the paper and digital copies and all that stuff, none of that. No books, no scrolls at that time. He used to have his own copy on scrolls, or just, I, say, I said there's no scrolls, there were very few. He used to have his own copy as a king of the word of God. In fact, he's supposed to handwrite from that copy, his own copy, by eye to hand to paper to eye and to high. He'll, he'll learn God's ways. The high priest is the office of the ministry of the word is making sure that what God had said would happen when you had a king, that when that new office was established of a king, God had always wanted the king to be a man of God's word. David was the greatest king of God's word. He wrote 
7,500 Psalms. David loved God's word, said he meditated on day and night. David was a man after the Lord's own heart. But since David, there have been very few good kings. So this little boy who's raised up under the priest is like Samuel being raised up under Eli. He is being raised by the priest, he's presented by the priest, and the priest makes the word of God prominent and says, this little boy, our king, is gonna be a man of God's word. And he hands him a copy. So you can see this little six-year-old big crown kind of, right? And he's got the scrolls, <laughs> he's standing there, maybe a robe, right? And they anointed him with oil. And the people clapped their hands and shouted, everybody. Oh, come on. Everybody shouted. And they heard it out in the streets. When Athaliah heard the noise made by some of the guards and the people, she went to the people at the temple of the Lord and she looked. And there was the king standing by the pillar at, as the custom was. The officers and the trumpeters were beside the king and all the people of the land and re were rejoicing and blowing trumpets. And Athaliah tore her robes and called out, treason, treason. Jehoiada the priest ordered the commanders of units and of the hundreds who were in charge of the troops, bring her out between the ranks and put to the sword anyone who follows her. For the priest had said, she must not be put to death in the temple of the Lord. So they seized her and she reached the place. As she reached the, the place where the horses would enter the palace grounds, there she was put to death. Jehoiada then made a covenant between the Lord and the king and the people that they would be the Lord's people. The covenant that, that was put in his hands is the five books. The covenant is defined by Exodus 24, where God says, I will be your God and you will be my people. And the king was supposed to be a, a, a servant alongside the priest working together to help lead God's people. So the priest is doing this. Jehoiada is really kind of the hero of this whole story. He is reestablishing a godly king and he's giving him the word of God and he's the grown up with this little boy and he's gonna teach Joash what to think, how to rule according to God's word. And he leads the people. He also made a covenant between the king and the people. All the people of the land went to the temple of Baal. Remember, Baal worship's been all around and Athaliah is all about Baal worship. It's that pagan God where they had immorality and all that kind of stuff going on at their temple. And, he, and, he, and they tore it down. They smashed the altars and the idols to pieces and they killed Matan, the priest of Baal, in front of the altars. Go to the next one. And that's the end of the story right now. But there's more in 2 Kings chapter 11 and 12 and 2 Chronicles chapter 23 and 24. And I'll refer to a little bit of that other, those other things, but you ought to go read it. It's just about four or five chapters, that story. And then the story of the Bible moves on to the next people because these folks die. Their lives are over. This, my friends, is a battle, not the war. But God always wins the war. And it looked like some of the battle was being lost when Athaliah was ruling, right? And there's bad times before this and after this, and there's good times before this and after this. But here you see in the course of the story, God getting a hold of things and keeping things on track to restore the kingdom, his earthly kingdom, to being led by his wonderful, almighty, gracious, powerful word. And these offices, priest and king, priests weren't always even good with the word of God, but this one is. These offices are being reformed and reestablished. And so why am I saying this? Stay on God's team 
when you're in the middle of a trouble and Athaliah and your life is ruling? When it all seems like it's not fair and where is God and what is he doing and why did he allow that? And it just seems like the, the work that you have done and the good you've tried to do is not doing anything that you can see that's good. Don't quit. Don't quit on God. Jehoshaphat, she could have just quit. Jehoiada, he could have been part of the problem. And how do we quit? Well, sometimes we quit by deciding as Americans that it's, you know, it's, it's easy just to kind of be secular and get into the fabric of our country and our life and everyday things. And you can just kind of like quit thinking about the kingdom of God and the, the good in Christ that God has called you to do by being part of God's work or being part of the right, doing the right thing in your family or the right thing in, in your, your job and you get in trouble for doing the right thing and how fast we can say, well, God, if I'm gonna do the right thing and you're gonna let me get in trouble for it, you don't make sense. I'm gonna back off and not be so salty. Remember, we're salt and light. A lot of ways you can give up on God's team is that you just decide you're gonna fade into just the comfortable life of living for yourself instead of for God. Because to live for God in a world where the ruler of the power of the air is the devil, it's hard. And it was hard for all these folks. And there was death all around. And there was trouble. And life was short, shorter than ours are. Don't quit. Stay on God's team. Another way we quit is we resort to our own tactics of manipulation. We actually do things we know are wrong to try to get control of a situation for the way we want it to go. We may think the ends justify the means because the ends I'm trying to do something right here, but we may lie, cheat, or steal. And that's getting off God's team instead of doing it humbly the Lord's way and even when it's hard. I bet if you could preach today, you'd tell us five more ways that you're tempted to quit and not be on God's team when the going gets tough. But it can be self-medication it can be binge watching TV programs. It can be getting lost in sports. Self-medication meaning drugs and alcohol and, and endless, endless entertainment just to get away rather than bearing down, growing, focusing and doing the right thing and finding joy in serving even when it's hard, when times are hard. It can be in just being silent, not speaking up because it's too much work. It's too much trouble to speak up. Brings a whole lot of, compl it's complicated, right? Just be quiet, keep your head low. When Jesus says, say the truth and be the salt and be the light. Stay on God's team. Be a Jehoiada, be a Jehoshaphat. Because God always what? He always wins the war. Just because it looks like in the battle that, that it's not working doesn't mean he's not at work winning the war. I want to show you about his hidden plan. Trust his hidden plan. I've talked about Jehoshaphat, and you don't know these folks really all that well, I bet. I didn't either, and I'm a pastor. Just to study for the sermon, I go, whoa, this is cool stuff. Jehoiada and Jehoshaphat are husband and wife. Isn't that cool? She, when she married that man that was in line to be the high priest, probably married him because she was a, a woman that he would know she'd be a woman of the word like his priestly family, right? But she's also from royalty. So in this nasty 
family with Athaliah, the pagan woman. You've got this godly woman who's part of the royalty, right? She's not, she's not gonna be heir to the throne, but she's in royal family. And she, she marries the high priest. And when she saves little Joash, it's not just saving him so he'll bring in a new economy like the next president in the next election. She's saving him because she has a deep abiding faith that he's a son of David and that this is part of God's plan that a son of David would always, I mean, ancestor of David, they're called sons of David. He is a, I mean, a, excuse me, a descendant of David. They're called sons of David. He's a, a descendant of David and she wants him to be on the throne because it's God's will. And her husband, who's growing in the word all the time and teaching it to others, the high priest, he's teaching his wife. He's all about it. He, they can hide him in the temple because that's not a place where Athaliah can get anyway into the deeper part. And, and they, it all, you can see God's hidden plan. And I always think when, when you hear that she murdered all those other little babies, well, what about the plan for them? Well, heaven's not a bad deal if you get to go to heaven and you don't have to live through the long life of trouble that we live through. But the plan on earth for a while was to bring little jo 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 Joash into the kingdom. And Joash, remember how many years I told you everybody ruled and I said Ahaziah got to rule about 22? Joash got to rule for 40. Imagine how they were able to reform. And you know what? Jo Joash really followed Jehoiada his entire reign. Jehoiada was really told Joash what to think, what God's word said, how to go. So really, God's word through the servant, the high priest, was leading the priest, the Lord's servant, to bring great reform. And so they went and they found all the different little worship places and public places of Baal and cleansed the, the land of them. They got all the, the families of the singers of David, because David had set up the worship of the temple, and they reestablished the worship in the temple. They remodeled the place. It was in shambles. And so they, they jo, uh, actually jo, uh, Joash went to Jehoiada and he goes, how come you haven't been collecting the temple tax that Moses told us to collect to take care of the, pro the, the properties of the tabernacle or the temple and everything else? And, and there's no answer in scripture. It just says that he, he asked Jehoiada that. And then jo, Joash, because he's the king said, we're gonna put a big chest out in front of the temple and everybody's to bring their annual gift to the temple to take care of this thing. And they use that money that they, they it says it was the people gladly did it because they were in good times. They saw God was leading the nation and they revamped and refurbished the temple. So the temple worship was getting better. It was more honoring and glorying to God. And, the, and the, the pagan worship was pushed out of the land and everything was wonderful. And you could see God's hidden plan peeked its head up like the Loch Ness monster peeking his head up out of the water. And everybody could see God's hidden plan on what he did. And they were encouraged. But you gotta remember that, I just revealed it to you, that when it's hidden, it's still there. God's hidden plan is still there. That's why we come here. I'm speaking words, but I'm not changing your circumstance. God's hidden plans for you and for this planet and your little part of the relay race, it's still in force. God's got a, a plan. And his plan is not about your kingdom, it's about his kingdom. But good news, you get to be part of that kingdom. So don't be trying to sit around depressed and disappointed because your little idea of how great your life's supposed to be, you can't get God to bless it and be part of your kingdom. 
Instead, let it die and see yourself as part of God's kingdom, which has a hidden plan and a revealed plan. Now, Jehoshaphat and Jehoiada, husband and wife, that took care of Joash, they didn't know how it was all going to play out. But they did their part in what was revealed to them. And there is a wisdom for you and me. Do your part. Make your life, cooperate with God, and make your life what it's supposed to be as a Christian today in the New Testament era, building up his kingdom through the, the making disciples ministry of God's church on earth. Be a part of it. Make it part of your, your, your work, your family, everything in your life is about I'm following God and he's with me and I'm not gonna quit his team and I'm gonna be salt and light and he's got me on the earth to be a blessing in a way that's part of his kingdom. And now along the way, I get to do a vocation, I get to have a family, I get to have some fun, but I'm about God's kingdom, not my kingdom. And I don't even know how long I'm gonna be here, but while I'm here, I'm gonna be useful to God. That's what Jehoshaphat and Jehoiada were all about. And real quickly, in a time that we're in, right before elections, you're gonna hear all kinds of forecasts about if we don't go this way or that way as a country with our elections, uh, it's gonna be really bad. Well, you know what, it could be really bad. It was really bad in this story, wasn't it? But God doesn't die in the bad times, and neither should we roll over. We fight with what we know, the good fight of faith. We work, we spread, we teach, we do what we can. And we let no event in the revealed world change what we know in the hidden plan of God that's been revealed should be happening in our lives. We're gonna continue to be God's light and salt. We're not gonna give up, we're not gonna get discouraged because God always wins the war and he's got a hidden plan. And his hidden plan has been revealed enough just like it was revealed enough to the, the family that I've been talking about in the Old Testament, it's, it's been revealed enough. It's, it's revealed that Christ has come to save the world. Real quickly, David's son. The, every office, now I'm just take a deep breath. You say, no preacher, you take a deep breath. Every office in the Old Testament that was anointed was a type of Christ, was a pointer pointing ahead to Christ. Prophet, you say it with me, prophet, priest, and king. So the prophets were to come bring God's word and they were anointed with oil. The priests were to stand between God and the people, make sacrifices and teach the people, and the king was to rule over them for their earthly welfare. And every one of them was supposed to be men of the covenant, and that's why they had copies of the word, okay? And so every one of them is like a Christ. And when he came, Jesus, he became the last great prophet and the last great priest, high priest, and the last great king of the Jews and the king of all people. So every king is a type of Christ, pointing ahead. So let's see. When King Joash was a little baby, a queen tried to kill him by killing all the descendants. What happened in Jesus' life? When he was a born, Herod tried to kill all the babies of Bethlehem, right? Okay, jo Joash was protected by family that weren't exactly his mom and dad. What about Jesus? Mary is his mother, but Joseph is his 
stepfather, right? And he's protected by being taken away. Comes back when King Herod died. King Herod died about when Jesus was about six years old. That's kind of interesting. Joash, he was seven, but, and then, and then Jesus gets brought back and he's kept safe. But Jesus lived under struggle and death his whole life, right? And then it ended with him dying on the cross for all of us. Joash's life after 40 years, it ended poorly for him. I'm just real quickly gonna tell you, this is the battle, not the war. When Jehoiada died at age 130, Joash let Baal people influence him after all that reform. And there was a prophet, Zechariah, not the one that has a book, but another Zechariah, who came to confront the king. And he said, you are letting all of this Baal worship happen in this land that you know better. And Joash said, stone him. And they stoned him between the temple and the palace. Remember those places in the story of Joash's? Later, Joash's antitype, Jesus, said to the people, you always kill the prophets. You killed Zechariah, all, all the way down to the end of the prophets, John the Baptist. You always kill the prophets, you hard-hearted people. But, Jesus said, I've come to save the world anyway. And you'll put me to death, that's what he told him, and I will forgive this world of all of its sins. The war. He's talking about the war. All these people, we look at them, bad, bad queen, good king. Good king becomes bad king. Bad, good, good, bad, bad, good, good, bad. God looks at all of us and says, I love all people, the good and the bad. We have a hymn, come to the feast. Good and the bad, come and be glad. Greatest and least come to the feast. The war was won when the Savior entered this crazy place where we have all these troubles. And what it, in his life looked like a bunch of wars was really just little battles. And it was a battle on the cross, but it was the last battle to win the great war of saving our soul. So that we can live in the hope that when we die, not if we die, but when we die, we will be in glory forever completely unscathed by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore we live our life right now in the hope and the joy of the gospel. And we fight with joy because we're on God's team and we haven't given up. And our savior has won the war. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. It's beautiful and we haven't changed your circumstances one bit. We just change your perspective. You're on God's team. Your little problems, your big problems are really little problems and they're, they're not the war. Not even your battle with death is not the war, it's just a battle. And the war's been won. You're on the winning team by grace. You're forgiven of all your sins. And after, in a moment, I'm gonna say amen and we're gonna come up here and take the Lord's Supper and God's gonna give us strength because he's gonna draw near to us and say, what your pastor just told you about you being forgiven, I'm giving to you in my body and blood the day that I won the war and you're on my team. Now go out, stay on my team and trust in my hidden plan when you can't make sense out of it with your brain. Just trust me and shine. Amen.